Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast, this week's adult Bible study. So we continue our series that's entitled Difference Makers. Last week, and I'll give a little recap when we get into the message, you'll see, but last week we talked about being genuine. And this week's word is the word doer, taken from James chapter number one. If we're going to be difference makers, we got to be doers. And so thank you for being a part of the podcast. I'd hope that you are continu- that you are not continuing, but that you are on the journey with us through the Bible, and that podcast will be coming out every Thursday, and then I write about it. It comes out on Mondays, although I'm behind schedule today, so we'll see how it goes. But without further ado, let's get you to the second week in our new study, Difference Makers, about being a doer. All right, let's take our Bibles, go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We are in this series entitled, Difference Makers. And I said in the opening that our country obviously needs some change and I think we can all see at this point that change isn't coming from politics and our country's not gradually getting better uh, we're gradually getting worse which is what's what what happens but what we do need is for we the church and we as Christians to make a difference. I do think that the difference that's going to be made starts with the people in this room and in other churches across the country. And so we are looking at different words that would describe difference makers. Last week we talked about genuine. Remember I opened up the illustration? What was my opening illustration last year or last week? Does anybody remember? What's that? The 12th player, that was my second illustration. Glad you remembered that, but you get zero points, Zach. All right, zero points. I offered my daughter something. Ooh, I offered her $500, and she took it, didn't she? But what was the problem with that $500? It was Monopoly money. And so I handed her $500. I said, do whatever you want with it, but it was fake money. It's Monopoly money. And you guys laughed at me, and I was offended because you laughed and I thought here I am giving my daughter $500 and you guys don't respect me and you didn't respect me because it was fake money it doesn't matter and I said if we're going to make a difference in our society today we've got to be genuine people see through fake people don't respect fake and we've got to be genuine we talked about in two areas we got to be genuine as believers there's a lot of people that say they're Christians out there today there's few and fewer by the way my wife and I were talking about this on the way here We used to live in a nominal Christian society. We don't live in a nominal Christian society anymore. We live in a progressive society. So it's not, it's few and few people call themselves Christians, but there's a lot to call themselves Christians. But are we genuine Bible believers, Christians? Saved by faith, through grace, changed life, changed Christians. We've got to be genuine in that. But then we talked secondly about that. We've got to, and this was the majority of the lesson last week, is we've got to be genuine in our discipleship, following of Jesus Christ. Yes, we're saved, but are we genuinely following disciples of Jesus, sit at the feet of Jesus, learning from Jesus, and living out the Bible, which kind of goes into what we're going to talk about today. Today's word comes from James chapter number 1. It actually comes from verse number 22, though I'm going to read the verse 21 in a minute. But look at that third, but fourth word. But be ye doers. This week's word, if we're going to be difference makers, is a doer. We've got to be doers. 
I think about in history, as I, you study the Bible, and even you study others. I think over in London, several, about a hundred or so years ago in London, there were children that were, that were dying and children that were abandoned and children that were left alone. And there was a man that said, someone's got to do something for these children. And someone did. And George Mueller raised up an orphanage, and he thought, I can start an orphanage and we'll, have, we'll take care of these children. Next thing you know, he's got hundreds of orphanages taking care of thousands of children, sharing the gospel with these children. These children are getting saved. He made a difference because he was a doer. He didn't just sit back and say, something just needs to be done. Something just needs to be done. He said, let's do something. And he started an orphanage that led to many others. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, the day before yesterday, and on that podcast, this guy from Canada, which I don't know a lot about Canada, really, I don't. I crack some jokes about Canada, but I don't know a lot about Canada. But he was talking about a Bible college in Canada, and he, and he was trying to remember the name, and he said, I can't remember the guy down there in the States and over in England that, made the, that started it. He said, oh, I think it's a, and he goes, oh, that's right, D.L. Moody. And I go, D.L. Moody had an effect on some college up there but yeah somebody went to a conference where dl moody preached and and he got saved he went back to canada and he decided to start a college eventually down the road so dl moody was a doer and then he impacted another man so if you just study men and women of history you see that there are men and women who made a difference were doers you study many missionaries at an iron judson which my dad gets his name wrong every time he says it he absolutely butchers that guy's name. It's Adoniram Judson, but he cannot say it, all right? So that's who he tries to say sometimes, but he made a difference. He was a doer. He said, I'm going to set out, and I am going to go reach these people, and he does. So you and I, if we are going to make a difference in our, let's just start it small. What about in our family? Some of you may be the first generation Christian. Maybe you look around and say, hey, I don't, when I go to Christmas and Thanksgiving, it may not be like your family, Brad. I, I'm, I'm the only Christian there a lot of times. All right. Well, be a doer. Make the change. You can change the family line now and your difference. I think about in my family, yes, I'm thankful for my family. I, I, I don't know that I can get together with family and not be in a room with Christians. Maybe Aaron's the only one we're wondering about. But other than that, I mean, but I'm thankful for that. But where did all of that kind of start? Although my dad, um, not from his line, but although dad will pick on my grandpa a lot, my grandpa at one time changed the course of his family history. He changed it. My dad, I think on the other side, I mean his, his dad and mom went to church some, but he, he in a major way, I uh, think changed some of the course of their history, though though my grandma and grandpa were believers. So you can be a difference maker in your home, and we're going to get to that in the last point. But let's get to our text here for a second, and let's read, because if we're going to be doers and we're going to make a difference, there are some principles that we need to look at in this text. So let's start in verse number 21, because we get some big words that I like, all right? In verse 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. How many use the word superfluity this week, right? Just everyday conversation. He says, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And, and then he goes on and says, And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save 
your souls. I want to stop here. We're going to read several more, but let's just first talk about the duty of hearers. The duty of hearers. Because there's going to be two categories of people I'm talking about. There's the hearers only, and then there are the hearers that do. They don't rhyme and they don't go well, so I'm not going to say it anymore. But there's the hearers only, and then there's the hearers that do. Okay? The duty of the hearers, though, you notice what he said in here in verse 21. He says that they are to receive with meekness the engrafted word. They are to receive the word of God. That's what you guys can be doing right now. I mean, you're in a position to receive the word of God right now. Doesn't mean you're going to. It's not, I mean, like I said to these teens, they can take a nap if they want. They wouldn't be receiving. But uh, I was joking, Nate, okay? Don't get in trouble with Nate. I told him earlier they stayed up all night. You guys didn't let them sleep. They can nap. So if they do, I gave them permission. But, uh, but uh, to receive, the, you, you're in a position to receive it. And then in a little bit, we're going to go into a church service, and we're going to be in another position to receive the Word of God. But every day, on Monday, you say, well, Monday, I'm not sitting there with the pastor. He's not preaching to me on Monday. Okay, but we have an opportunity in America to open up a Bible and receive the Word of God. You know, we have other ways to receive the Word of God. We can turn on a podcast and receive the Word of God. This morning, while we were getting ready, my wife had a, an app on, and she was listening to the Bible. You imagine Apostle Peter thinking about that back in the day? He means, he's like, you can just, first of all, trying to figure out what a phone is and internet is, trying to explain that. But she's sitting down, listening to the Bible and doing some devotions. We have so many opportunities today to receive the Word of God. We can receive it through church services. We can receive it through podcasts. We can receive it through books. But all of there's all kinds of different ways but notice how we are to receive it he says before that he says lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness seems like there's something there that would hinder me from receiving and it's that superfluity of naughtiness oh what a great word but when i got a lot of superfluity of naughtiness in my life i got sin in my life boy it hinders my word of god so i could sit in church I can sit in church with all my superfluity of naughtiness and it not penetrate my heart. You turn all kinds of podcasts on you one all day, but if we're going to allow sin to dominate our lives, it's not going to penetrate our heart. And so the duty of a hearer first is to, yes, receive the word, but we have to make sure we approach the word of God clean. We got to make sure that we're confessing sin. We don't have anything in our hearts that we're, would hinder the word of God from working in our hearts. And we we ought to approach each service. We ought to approach each day, each moment, saying, "God, is there anything between me and you? Is there anything between me and someone else?" Because God, I want to receive the word of God. But if I'm going to do that, I've got to I've got to lay apart all filthiness, all nonies, all of the sin of my life. I need to confess it and get it right. But then once I do that, there's another way I'm to approach the Word of God. Did you see it in that text? He says, and receive with what? Meekness. The Word of God. Meekness is the opposite of wrath. Wrath is this. When, someone, when the pastor says something that I don't like, then all of a sudden I'm getting angry. Like, how dare he say that? And when he gets out, I'm either not shaking his hand or I'm cold shouldering him or he's going to get a good squeeze and I'm going to set an appointment to say something to him because I don't like what he said. Do you not like what he said or you don't like what the Bible says? Because it may be that what he said showed some of that superfluity of naughtiness. And we don't want to deal with it. 
You see, we've got to receive the Word of God with meekness. It means when we approach the Word of God, I'm not approaching the Word of God to try to find something. I'm approaching God's Word saying, Hey God, whatever I need today, just show me. Whatever it is. Even if it's not comfortable. Even if I don't like it. You ever had your spouse say something to you that in the moment when they said it, and they may have said it in the right spirit, let's assume that, you knew they were right, but you didn't like it. And what do we usually do? We usually, ah, we got an excuse, and we get frustrated, and we just move on, and then we think about it, and then we're like, yeah, that was probably right. But meekness, what he's talking about here, is when we hear that, we don't we get angry about it, but we receive the Word of God, we allow it to change our lives. See, we're not playing church. When we come to church and we hear the Word of God, or when you approach the Bible and you're reading from your devotions, you don't have to change your life. We read this morning in Genesis, the very end of Genesis, finished that, and, and, and Joseph looked at his brothers, and his brothers were like, uh-oh, dad just died, he's going to want to get revenge. And, and Joseph said to him, hey, no, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. He totally forgave him. So what do we do? Do we take that verse and say, well, good for him, but I'm not going to forgive, or do we apply it to our lives? You see, we've got to receive the word of God with meekness. But if there's any superfluity, if not in any sin in our life, we're not going to receive it. And if we're constantly looking to get angry and not have a meek spirit, we're not going to receive it. We've got to have meekness. You know another thing about meekness is? Meekness isn't sitting there saying, oh, that point's Jim needs that. Jim needs that. I hope Jim gets that. Now, it's going to be natural sometimes for those thoughts to come up. But here's what we have to wrestle with. It's not all sitting there, oh, good, hey, preach, pastor, keep preaching on that because Jim needs it. He needs it. Yeah. It ought to be, mm, that fits Jim, but does it also fit my heart? God, is there anything like that in my heart? We can't stop the thought. My wife probably can't stop thought today thinking, boy, he needs that. She may elbow me, and that's fine. But it has to come to but God, is there anything in me? Where it gets dangerous it is, Jim needs that. Move on. Let's get something else. Instead of God, are you going to speak to my heart? We've got to be a hearer. There's a duty for hearers. But, but there's a last part of this verse in verse 21. Because he says that to, to lay apart the filthiness, you've got to be clean. Receive with meekness. We've got to receive the word. That's important. There's many ways that you can do that. But do it with meekness. But then he says something, and he's talking to Christians. So let's see what he means. He says, which is able to save your souls. Now he's writing to Christians. We're going to see that big time debated in chapter 2, which we're not going to see it. But if you're studying the book of James, you can see that in chapter 2 even more. We see it in verse, verse 2 of chapter 1. He says, my brethren, he's writing to Christians here. So he says, though, that when we are clean and we receive the word of God with meekness, it saves our souls. So we, we hear that terminology so much. What does it actually mean? Well, what he's saying here is, yes, the application can be made. When you hear the word of God, it can save your soul spiritually. We understand that. That's fine. But he's talking to Christians. You know what he's saying? He's saying, if you approach the word of God and receive it with meekness, like he says, with a clean heart, it's going to keep you from messing up your life. That's a modern version. It's going to keep you from messing up your life. You know, there's a lot of Christians that still mess up their lives royally. Sorry, for we're just reading through Genesis. I read about Jacob Jacob's and his two sons, Simeon and Levi. You know what Simeon and Levi did? Remember, they, 
they, they're in the lineage of Jesus, all of this that's going on. Well, they're not, but I mean, their family is. You know what happened when their sister got raped? Do you know what they did? They, they, remember, they made all the men of that city circumcised. They lied and said, we'll do this deal. And what did those two end up doing? They killed every man in that whole community. So they know about God. They're actually, today when they get blessed um, by, by their, their dad, I mean, everything, they know about God, but they royally messed up. Why? Well, they didn't have James back then, but they're not following what they have been taught. And you and I can royally mess up our lives if we don't receive with meekness the engrafted word. This has to be serious to us. This isn't playing church like kids play Barbies. Is this book the foundation of your life or is it not? So the duty of here's is to receive with meekness the engrafted word and it is able to save your souls. But here's the deception of here's. And this is verse 2, verse 22. This is where we get to our word today. He says, but, so there's a conjunction here. Great verse, verse 21. But be ye doers of the word and not hears only deceiving yourselves. Here's the deception. The deception is thinking that hearing alone makes a difference. That hearing alone is the fulfillment of this requirement. And it's like James was writing this, and he had his scroll out there, and he was writing it, and he said that great word, superfluity, not his. Of course, it was Greek, so he didn't have all that. But he, he wrote it out really cool, and then he stopped and thought, ah, there's going to be some. There's going to be some that just sit there all the time and say, Oh, yeah, I heard that. That was good. Good message, preacher. Good message. Yep, that was good. I heard it. That was good. Wonderful. He, so he stopped. It's like he, then he goes to verse 22 says, But be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So he just talked about receiving. He just talked about hearing. But he wants to make sure that they understand that it's not just the hearing that makes a difference. It's the doing that makes a difference. And so that's where the rubber meets the road. It's, as one person said, the devil doesn't fear Bible readers. Now, some would kind of spark up at that. Well, the devil's scared of the Bible. No, he doesn't care how much Bible you have in your head. But the devil does fear Bible doers. Was it, was it Hitler or Stalin or one of those guys? There was a few others that had like a lot of the Bible memorized. Well, Satan doesn't fear that if you have the Bible memorized, if you don't do anything with it, if it doesn't change your life. And so the, he tells us here, he says, to be a doer of the word and not hear only. And then he gives an illustration in verse 23 and 24. He says, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, we would say mirror today. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. He says, so here's a person, he gives an illustration, he says, there's a person that looks into the mirror, just like a lot of you did today. I didn't need to, but a lot of you did today. I don't have any hair. But you looked into the mirror, and you said, I've got to do something with this. All right? Some of you wake up, maybe, and your hair is everywhere when you wake up. I'm not going to give any illustrations in this moment right now. I'm not giving any illustrations, am I? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but sometimes when you wake up, some of you ladies have hair, and guys, maybe if you got some hair, I don't know, but that hair is everywhere, and you don't just get up on Sunday morning and just look and say, ah, no big deal, let's go to church. Now, some of you may, all right, but most of you think, i got to figure out something with that right there that I see in the mirror. 
And that's what he's saying. That's the illustration he uses about the word of God. He says, he that beholdeth himself and goeth his way straightway forgetteth what manner man he was. It's like a person. They go to church and all they do is they go and it's almost like a social gathering. It's like, yeah, I'm here because, well, I'm supposed to. I hear it. Good. Go live my life. And it's like it doesn't change them at all. They just do whatever they want. There's a problem with that. Because the word of God is to be lived out. We're to be doers of the word. He goes on to say for that person, I'm going to come back to verse 25. Well, let's just look at verse 25 quickly, the beginning. He says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's the Bible, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I will definitely come back to that. But verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious... And he gives an illustration. And bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is in vain. There's the word vain. It means profitless. It means, we, for the sake of our study, this person's not going to make a difference. There's, there, if something is vain, profitless, it means there's no profit to it. That means there's no difference made. That's the opposite of what we're trying to look at today. It's one of the reasons why I chose this text. You and I, I think, we're in this class. We want to be difference makers. We want to make a difference in our family. We want to make a difference in our community. We want to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Well, a difference maker is a doer of the word because one that hears only but doesn't do, he says, it's vain. It's profitless. There's no difference. It doesn't change anything. And so that is the deception of hearers, and that deception is someone who just thinks, well, I, I'm okay because I go to church. Everything's good. No, we have to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. But then notice this last part. Look at verse 22, verse A. Again, he says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So what happens when I'm a doer? Verse 25 that I read, he's, the last part, he says, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Isn't that a powerful phrase? I mean, I I take that as a promise. So if you choose to not only hear the word of God, but to live it out in your life, this man, it says, shall be blessed in his deed. Well, what is the deed? What's the burden of your heart? What has God put on your heart to do? Whatever that deed is, as long as we are designing everything around the, the, the scriptures and making sure that we're living abiding by the principles of the scripture you'll be blessed in your deed now let's just pick it let's just let me just pick something let's say teaching children's junior church let's pick ju- teaching junior church Aaron teaches junior church I'll just pick that I was going to say children's church or I was going to say nursery but let's just pick junior church now, Aaron can't get into the Bible and find out, here's three steps how to be a good junior church leader. It's not there. It's absolutely not there. Matter of fact, he can't even really get in here and say, here are three steps how to best teach children. It's not in here. So, But that's a deed that he's going to do. And I'm sure he wants to be blessed in it. Or else, why would he be crazy enough to go with a bunch of children? You know what I mean? So he wants to be blessed in that deed. So how is he going to accomplish that? Well, He is going to get into the Word of God. He's going to study it. He's going to find principles in here that guide his life and that make a difference in his life. And though he may be going through something that's not spelled out in the Bible, if he patterns his life after the Bible and his teaching after the Bible, 
he can know that God is going to bless in the deed that he does. Now, what is, here's where always people say, well, what is the blessing? Is it going to be that he's going to run 500 kids in junior church? I'm sure he hopes not. 500 kids? No, we don't. The blessing may, he may not see that blessing for a long time. He may not see that blessing on this earth. But you know what I think some of the blessing is at times? I think the blessing is the peace that we have knowing that we're doing the will of God. We, so, we live such in a materialistic society that we want. Like, I want to see that, that blessing, I better be able to hold it. That blessing, I better be able to show it off. It's like show and tell in elementary. But we want to be able to stand up in, in, a, in a humble but prideful way, say, hey, look, look at what I've done. Because God is just blessed, and I've got 500 children in my junior church now. And it's almost like a, it's like a testimony brag. And I'm not saying this, I'm against all of this. I'm just saying sometimes we have to examine our own hearts. I know my own heart. In my own heart, it would be. In my own heart, it would be. Maybe not in some others. But I think sometimes the blessing is just saying, is that peace to know that, God, I did what you called me to do. And that may be it. But for others, like D.L. like um, not D.L. Moody, but was it? Maybe it was D.L. Moody. When his Sunday school teacher came and just visited him while he was uh, working in the shoe store. And his Sunday school teacher just shared with him a, Gave him his gave him a Bible. He had no idea that who D.L. Moody was going to become, but that Sunday school teacher did that on that day. He became a doer that day, and he did something. He stopped by his work and just tried to encourage him. He was just following the principles. And D.L. Moody, if I got my stories all correct, D.L. Moody's the one that went came up and saw hundreds, thousands, maybe millions saved. And I didn't plan on connecting this, but you remember I told you at the beginning, I heard a podcast a couple days ago about that, that Bible college that was started in, in Canada. I've never heard of all because of D.L. Moody. So that, you know what? You trace that blessing. It comes all the way back to a Sunday school teacher that just felt like on that day, I should stop by the shoe store and see Dwight. This is probably what he called him. We know him as D.L. Moody. Maybe I should just stop and see him. And he had no idea. That guy still to this day, because he's dead, has no idea that there's Bible colleges and Christian, the guy said camps as well, all started in Canada as a result of his, one of his decisions that he made. Now, he's not up in heaven saying, hey, guys, come around, look at this, look at this. Hey, guys, come here. You see that Bible college down there? He's not peeking through the clouds and he's not saying, that's because of me. He's not doing that. All he did on that day was he became a doer. And he did what God put on his heart to do. And in that little moment, it's not like he looked at this verse and said, I am blessed in my deed. In that moment, he just felt a peace. I did what God wanted me to do. And God took that moment and said, I'm going to bless it. But that blessing is going to give me all the glory. And you know what? I think if we can sit down, I can't even remember the guy's name, the teacher's name. But you know, if we can sit down with him in heaven one day, he's going to say, God's good. It's amazing. But he was a doer. And so my question for us today is, are we going to be doers? Because doers make a difference. They make a difference in the home when husbands decide to be doers, when wives decide to be doers and say, hey, it's not just I know how to be this or I know, I know that this is going to make, I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to humble myself and do it. We become doers in the church when we say, I'm going to disciple. I'm going to serve others. 
I'm going to take the next step and maybe I need to get baptized and maybe I need to join the church and maybe I need to start coming to another service, but I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to do it. Maybe in my community, I need to love others and like I need to make a difference. I need to be a witness to people. As John was talking about in our prayer request, there's lost people all around us. I need to tell somebody about the gospel. Maybe it's that, but what I know is this, that when we are not just hearers, but when we become doers, it says, the Bible says, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I'll close with one more Old Testament illustration. I think about Abraham. You know, Abraham didn't have a godly upbringing. He didn't have a godly upbringing, so that, ex- that excuse is gone. He didn't have a, a godly upbringing, but he obeyed God. And he ended up being greatly used of God. But he had a nephew. Remember what his nephew's name was? Lot. Lot was raised by Abraham. He knew what Abraham knew. But he didn't obey God. And Lot ended up losing his family. Remember his daughters committed some grotesque acts with him. And he ended up losing his family. And two, two men that heard similar messages went different ways lot we know from the new testament he was a just man but we don't look back on lot with flowery feelings we look back on lot thinking oh man now we look at abraham now abraham lied a couple times abraham had some pretty bad moments but for the most part i mean he's praised even in the new testament even when jesus talked about him they tried to stone jesus he's looked at him very high light and though he had some moments of disobeying and he faced some consequences of that but he for the most part was a doer and he made a difference so i guess my question this for us today is this do we want to make a difference if the answer is yes are you genuine but then if you say yeah i think so i'm a disciple i'm a follower lord i'm saved all right then are you a doer what action do you need to take to make a difference what is god putting on your heart it may be stopped by a shoe store and talk to somebody about the gospel. Maybe visit that kid. It may be tell your family member. It may be get into the scriptures. It may be join. It may be a variety of things. But what is it that's going to make a difference in your home, your church, your community? What does God want you to do? Now, next week's lesson is going to come off of this one. The word that I'm going to give you next week is going to it's going to enable this one because this one alone. This one alone can be dangerous. I'm going to tell you that. Because some of us are going to leave here. Here's the hint for next week, and then I'm praying. Some of us are going to leave here saying, I'm going to be a doer, and that's what I want you to say. But we're going to be deceived by Satan, because Satan, he doesn't, here's what I said at the beginning. Satan doesn't fear Bible hearers. He fears Bible doers. But there's a certain kind of Bible doer that he doesn't fear. That's ones that are doing it all in their own strength. Because though he knows that you can get some done in your own strength, you can't get as much done as you can if you are dependent doer. Next week, we're going to look at the word dependent. I gave it out. All right. Next week, we're going to look at the word dependent. I want you to be a doer. But in your own strength, you're only going to accomplish this much. But a dependent doer can do much more. All right. Let's pray.